Hi, and welcome to our podcast, Bodies and Souls, Conversations for the Jewish Woman. My name is Sarah. I'm a certified teacher and school leader. I'm passionate about education and Torah and Hasidus. My name is Rifki. I am a certified nurse, midwife, and college teacher. I am passionate about using our bodies and our innate spiritual abilities to serve Hashem in the most healthy and complete way possible. Together, we are pleased to present to you Bodies and Souls, fascinating and informative conversations for you, the Jewish woman. Our aim is to provide you with multidimensional information that will inform and inspire you to be the best version of yourself, supporting your bodies and souls as they strive to be the very best in fulfilling our ultimate potential in bringing Mashiach now. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our podcast, Bodies and Souls. Your hosts for today are Sarah Lowenthal. And Rifki Boyarski. Today, we are thrilled to be interviewing Fermi Pekarski. Fermi is a mikvah.org certified Kala teacher and a parenting relationship and intimacy mentor. Fermi, can we begin with you telling us all about yourself, where you grew up, where you live now, what you do now, and how you got into your line of work? Okay. First of all, hello, everybody, and hello, Sarah Rifki. It's a pleasure. It's my pleasure and my honor, actually, to be speaking with such honorable women like Rifki and Sarah. Um, there's a lot that they have to offer, and I'm sure as this interview progresses, uh, we'll see how much they have to offer everybody besides what I'm saying. So let's go for it. Where I grew up, I grew up in Crown Heights, actually on Crown Street. <laughs> my parents had a shoal in their house. It was quite an interesting house that I grew up in. My father's from Brazil. So we had a lot of Brazilians, a lot of Portuguese going on in my house. And um, and I went to Base Rifka Elementary School, High School. I was actually a very introspective, quiet, more on the looking at you know, viewing life, taking it all in and not very good at giving it out, at least not verbally. And, um, and after I graduated, I went to seminary for a certain amount of time. I didn't complete seminary and I decided to become a computer, cram- uh, computer programmer. I would have really liked to have been a therapist, but there were no programs at that point where there was, you know, any kind of separateness between the men and the ladies. So I basically took my analytical mind that I had and applied it to computer programming. Eventually, I left the field because of the hours. It didn't really work for me as a mother. And um, and I decided to be a stay-at-home mom, but that didn't work out very well for me because every other day I was volunteering for something else. I don't have that much, what we call in Yiddish, Zitzfleisch. So um, at some point I became, I ran a gamaf for clothing. I had a clothing gamaf that I ran for about eight years. And Hashem started sending me opportunities where I can use my kaychas and And rather than looking, the way I always viewed myself as somebody who um, maybe wasn't so socially um, skilled, um, suddenly I was able to use my introspective thoughtful skills and sensitivity to, um, to help the cloud. And um, 
basically that happened by two things happening simultaneously. The first thing was that I got introduced to public speaking by a family member. And the second thing was that I got introduced to a mentoring training program by another family member. And I started mentoring parents who were struggling with different parenting uh, stuff going on in their in their homes and in their life. And at the same time, I started improving and working on my public speaking skills, which helped bring me out as a person. I think anybody that has the kind of personality that I was born with um, and they want to get out of that, public speaking is an amazing venue for that. Um, eventually, I thought I was going to become the therapist once these uh, programs opened up. But practice again veered me away from it. And that's a story of its own. And after that, the Kal teaching opened up for me and it's sort of like pulled it all together. The, you know, the being able to work one-on-one with people, understanding the sensitivity, the communication skills, um, and understanding, you know, even just having that clothing gamach and understanding that there are different people that have different struggles that you would never realize when you see them the people that came to my gamach were better dressed than i was i have to tell you so many of them so you really just don't know what's going on with people and um and baruch hashem hashem gave me the opportunities and opened my eyes to take take advantage of the, of the opportunities that he sent my way to be able to um build on the personality that he gave me so i love this because i met from me as a, we were both went through the college teacher training together. And since we, since then we've worked on some great projects together and I really came to appreciate the depth of what from me has to offer. Um, one of the things you just mentioned, by the way, totally off topic, but I think it's worthwhile to just take note of it is that you referenced a few times, the personality that Hashem has given you. Um, and I feel like we all come into our personalities and to appreciate our God-given talents and the the gifts that Hashem gave us at different stages and ages. And sometimes it's really easy to appreciate it as a teenager. And sometimes it's really, you know, the loud bubbly personality, the Heverman personality. Sometimes we kind of like grow into ourselves, you know, in adulthood at some point. And, um, you know, there isn't really one way that that has to play out. And I think it's just worth noting that before we transition back to our real conversation, which is all about um, communication. So when we're talking about different types of people, um, obviously everyone has a different communication style. And I think that when you walk into different people's homes, there's the louder homes where everyone like shouts at each other, which can be really overwhelming to someone who comes from a home where everyone's like really soft spoken and intentional. Um, and it seems abrasive and awful. Like, could we talk about like different natural communication styles? Are there better? Or are there worse ones? How do we navigate that? I don't like to categorize things into better or worse. It's how well is it working for you? That's really, you just basically look around you and see, is this working in my life? Or is this working in this particular relationship that I have? And then sometimes it needs to be adjusted. So we're, you know, we're dynamic people. We, we, we have different aspects to us that come out in different situations We're we're just not one style or one type. One of my pet peeves is when somebody says, I'm the type of person that, 
I, I feel like that's really narrowing yourself. You can adjust and adapt to different situations and communicate differently based on who you're communicating with and and the setting in which you're communicating. So it's there's no better or worse if that's really your question. It's just a matter of how and what works. How do you assess what works better or worse? Like, what are you assessing? Part of being a good communicator, I believe, is being able to pick up the vibes around you. It's anybody could have good oratory oratory skills, but it doesn't make you a good communicator. When you're able to pick up the vibes around you and do something with it, it's the idea of being a macabre in a way. At the same time that you're being mashpia, being a macabre. Mashpia means you're on the giving end and being a macabre means you're on the receiving end. And a good communicator will be able to manage both at the same time, to be on the giving and on the receiving end at the same time. So to be a good communicator, you need to be able to understand your message and what you want to give over. But you also need to be in touch with the receiver of that message and to pick up, is this person able to receive it the way you're giving it? And if the person can't receive it the way you're giving it, then if you want to be able to be an effective communicator, you need to adjust your communicating style in that given situation. For me, I've had a couple of opportunities to interact with you thanks to Rifki. Rifki introduced the two of us. And I do have the sense that it, it's very easy to talk to you. You're a good listener. And here you are speaking about how communication is about skills. Can these skills be taught or is it like you're born with it and you know either you have it or you don't have it? It's a good question. And I would really just rephrase the question because I don't know if communication skills could be taught as much as communication skills can be learned. So what that means is that a person has to be willing to learn to communicate more effectively. And then once they open themselves up to that, then there's different ways that they can learn to communicate based on what their struggle is and what's getting in their way, but they need to be open to that. So, okay. So they have to be open to learning. So there's not something that you can create a communication workshop unless someone is a receptacle to receive. Is that what you're trying to say? It has to be a choice from the person to choose to learn more effective strategies. Yes, they, 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 they need to see that there's a need in their life for better communication. And then, and then a communication workshop is amazing. It's great if you're starting from ground zero, but I think most people are not starting from ground zero. I think most people already have somewhat of a working level of communication and there's a struggle in a certain area. So rather, I would say rather than a communication workshop, what would probably be more helpful in the less in less time would be one-on-one -on -one, uh, communication, um, sort of like mentoring, if you want to say that, where the person can see what's getting in their way and then help learn new skills on how to uh, get past that or work around that. 
and to communicate more effectively. And this is a lot of what I do, actually, is um, sometimes I have these young, what we call Bible, <laughs> you know, young married come to me. Some of them I taught, most of them not. Um, maybe they heard about me from wherever and they have some kind of struggle within their marriage. So officially the mothers sometimes are telling me that they want their daughter to learn intimacy with me, you know, even though I didn't teach them. So they'll come to me and then the daughter will talk about something totally else. And what they haven't learned and what many young people need to learn is that you can say anything to anybody. It's just really about how it's said. And when communication breaks down many times, it's because the person either doesn't feel safe enough to communicate or doesn't have the right words or the skill or understanding of what it means to actually communicate to another person what's going on with them. And once they learn those skills, then things just fall into place. They're able to just, you know, sail along with it. And every so often I'll, you know, they'll come for a little, um, you know, a little refresher, a little tweaking, and then they're good to go. I I get excited hearing you talk about skills. I think I'm excited about that because my love, my passion is early childhood education, where these are the formative years, right? And we can have this tremendous influence on little children. And I always, I always say this to either my staff or even to myself, that social skills can be taught when you see a lack and you see a gap or some sort of delay, like get down there, model and teach these children. Can you share with our listeners a really concrete or specific example of a teachable communication skill? Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> it's, it's hard. This is very hard and it takes practice. But you really need to know the reason that you're communicating and what your goal is. That's something that will help you communicate better. And then you need to sort of like let go a little bit and be able to edit out everything that you want to say and you really, really want to say because like it's like coming bubbling out of, out of you, but it's not directly related and will not support what you're trying to communicate. Once you can do that, you've become a much more effective communicator. That's one skill I would just like put right out there. At the same time, at the same time, having the ability to be flexible and realize that even though you have your reason and your goal there's also a listener and the listener may at that at some point also need to communicate. And at that point, you need to, in the moment, make a decision. Will you continue to push your goal and your reason? Will you step back and allow the listener now to, to communicate what they want to communicate, even if it doesn't support that, even if it's about something else? Or will you step aside for a certain period of time and then get back to it. So these are like very, very in the moment things that good communications, you can also learn and keep in mind. It's more about keeping these things in mind as you're communicating. 
Okay, so that's I, just one. There's many. So I'm actually going to push you a little bit more. So one of um, <clears throat> the things that I've been working on to be really intentional as my children get older is to model some skills of like conflict, conflict resolution skills, because I feel like that's a really foundational item for any future relationship. Um, And when we talk about conflict resolution, we do talk about communication skills and some of the things um, that I was brought up um, using and that the things that I bring forth to my children and maybe they're really, really elementary are things like eye messages or things like sandwiching, you know, start with a positive, say what you want, end with a positive, those type of things. So if somebody is looking to like advance their communication skills as an adult, um, what is a really like if we say one thing that will like change your communication style? Um, is there one thing that you would say, like, this one is the one that I see the most improvement in, um, who, in the clients that I work with when they do this thing, what would that thing be? Is there something, or it really is so situation specific. I would say it's twofold. It's not just one thing. I would say probably two things that the client clients that I work with, or actually, I don't like to call it clients that I work with. I like to call it the people that I try to help. The people that I try to help, I find that there's two things um, that that I that they could learn, and that is what I said that anything could be communicated. It's a matter of how, and. The how is what's the what's twofold. Number one is what you said about the I. It's allowing the other person who you're communicating with, and there's usually some kind of conflict, right? And the conflict doesn't have to be active conflict, and it doesn't have to, it can be a subtle conflict. It could just be pulling back and not feeling like you communicate, and that in itself is some kind of a conflict. And knowing that there's a way to say something like that, I, when you, rather than accuse or, or um, confront, but rather allow the person in a little bit so that they could see what's going on with you and see how, let's say their communi- what their communication style is doing to you, rather than saying, you can't say that to me, but say, when you, when you say that to me, this is what happens to me. And this is my response. And this is the way I react. Um, So it's not, so what you're basically doing is you're not, you're not accusing them of anything. You're just saying, maybe if you would say to somebody else, they would be fine with it. It's just because of the way I'm taking it in. And so they're, they're, you're not making them defensive anymore. You're helping them learn you a little bit so that, and giving them the opportunity to make changes and also to explain themselves. So then maybe the next time that they say something in that way, you'll understand where it's coming from and then you won't take it that way. So that, that would be one, one thing that I, um, that I stress and that I try to focus on. The other thing is that you can also communicate almost anything as long as you're not angry. Anger is what breaks down communication. And I'll give you an example. 
I actually, it's very cute because it happened when I had a couple staying in my house with a few kids and the husband is a marriage therapist. And um, it was Arab Shabbos. They were here for Shabbos. I didn't know them. Somebody asked me to have them over, which was, you know, my pleasure. And I hear some water running in my backyard. So I open my back door and I see that my neighbor's cleaning lady decided that my backyard was a better yard to be cleaning their outdoor chairs in. So I saw she was using the, the, the hose. She had dragged, you know, the neighbor's hose there. But I was like, you know, my first reaction, of course, was, you know, what a chutzpah, <laughs> you know? And then I just like swallowed. And, and then I, instead of being angry, and this is the key, I became curious. And I thought to myself, okay, what's going on here? So, and I asked her, I said, I see that you're washing, you know, my lovely neighbor's chairs, you know, in my backyard. Tell me about this. Like, what's going on here? And she said, you know, you have a much better drain than they have over there. So I've decided to use your backyard. I'm thinking, thank you very much. The reason I have such a good drain is because I keep on changing the filter, but that's okay. So now you're going to go clog it up. But, but. I didn't tell her that, obviously. So I looked around and I saw that the residue of all the book that was on those chairs was running around my backyard. And I said, listen, I said, I understand why you want to clean the chairs in my backyard, but please do me a favor. Make sure that you don't leave any residue in my backyard. And also, please ask me next time before you want to do something like that. And then I closed the door and I turned, I, I came back into my kitchen and I turned around and the therapist, this marriage therapist's wife looks at me like with awe and she goes, how'd you do that? I said, do what? She goes, I would have never been able to do that. I wouldn't have known what to do. I said, because I didn't get angry. I just got curious. So that's really a key. Another thing is if you feel yourself getting angry, take that deep breath. And instead of anger, try to get curious to see what's going on over here. And that's another way of conflict resolution, if you want to call it that. That was a great start. It's fabulous. Thank you for sharing that. I, I'm wondering if we can take a couple steps back. It feels like we took a deep dive into these really important and essential communication skills and habits. Can we talk about um, why it is that communication is so foundational to a relationship? And I want to uh, share a story, a short story of Rifki and I actually, where when we initially started to work, Rifki edited one of my, one of my blogs and I felt a little hurt. I said, Oh my goodness, she's editing my blogs. Like, you know what? She doesn't think I'm a good writer. She's filled it up with edits, but I didn't say anything to her. I just kept quiet. And I was like sort of walking around stewing with my herd and it might've even been anger. I'm just saying she stewed good. Like a, like Thank a you, old challenge. Thank you for rubbing that in. Rifki. I was trying to say it a little more gentle. And then finally Rifki calls me up and she goes, I sense that you're upset that I, you know, really like it was pretty heavy editing. And I said, yeah. And Rifki goes, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you pick up the phone and call me and say, Hey, I didn't appreciate your edits. Please don't do that. And you know what? The only thing that I had to say to Rifki was, you're right. I should have. I didn't do any good to our relationship and to our you know, vision of these bodies and souls to walk around feeling like, 
oh my goodness, why did Rifki do that? I should have picked up the phone and called her. And I'm wondering if you could expand on this idea of communication being the starting point to any given relationship. And why, I, I think, sorry if it's okay. I think why, why are we afraid of this like really honest, um, open type of communication. And I do, uh, as someone who comes from, I'm just adding to your question, as someone who comes from a culture of, you know, a mix of American and Israeli, and I have like that American, that American like sense of like, we can't just say any, everything. But at the same time, I have a little bit of that Israeliness where I'm like, just put it out there. I'd rather just know you don't have to be polite. Just be out there. And Sarah will attest that I say this to her all the time. I'm like, just, just say it, say it the way it is. That way we're, we're good with each other and we can just move on. Um, but I think maybe it's a cultural thing um, that we're afraid of communication almost a little bit. What do you think for me? So there's two questions. There's why is communication the foundation of a relationship? And why are we afraid to communicate? Is that correct? Correct. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Communication, why communication is a foundation of a relationship, I, I, I don't know. The answer is, I don't know. It's the way Hashem made us. Hashem made us in a way that we need to interact with the people around us. We need to have that relationship and the way, and we need to be known. And we need to know. And the only way that he gave us <laughs> to do that is through verbal and nonverbal communication. So I would say that would be the reason why it's why it's foundation because that's why Kachbrahu created us. Um, and why is it so hard? <laughs> Good things are never easy. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that I think that part of it is um, is it the growth part of it for me? I think it's the safety aspect. It's feeling safe enough to be able to say something and, and that the, and it's trust and trusting that the person who you're saying it to will take it the right way and will not, it won't, it won't boomerang back at you. And it's unfortunate that as young children were taught because we're continuously communicating with people without that, without great communication skills at that point. Um, we're taught that we have to be very careful because we're, as we, our young years where we're not completely developed and we're very prone to um, defining ourselves by the way other people react to us, we learn to be very careful. And sometimes the carefulness is taken to an extreme um, in many of us. And then we have to, as adults, we have to start tiptoeing and feeling how far we can actually move forward um, to a place of safety again, and hopefully very much forward, but it, we have, it takes time to rebuild that trust. So the more we can do it for other people, um, the more other people will be able to do for other people. And then Virals. I, I hear you talking a lot about safety and trust. It reminded me of a story that happened to me years ago when I was first starting out in my teaching career and an administrator had some concerns about my teaching and didn't mention anything to me until way like later on in the year when I couldn't fix anything. There was nothing I could do about it. It wasn't, you know, retractable. And I said to her, why didn't you tell me 
And she said, I didn't want to hurt you. And immediately I thought to myself, well, she hurt me even more by not saying anything. But what I really thought to myself is, no, you didn't want to hurt yourself. It, it, it feedback is not easy. Being blunt is not easy. And sometimes we hold things in really because we, we want to be, you know, have that barrier and protect ourselves. Can you talk about that? The process of feedback, the process of being really blunt. And I, and I really want to go back to working with Rifki because I adore the fact that I've learned this about Rifki that nothing phases her. Rifki, I could say whatever I feel towards you and like you accept it. You're very gracious about that. <laughs> it's a personality. <laughs> you see, we could go back to what Fermi said at the beginning, God-given, uh, God-given gifts. You know what I'm saying? Like also Sarah, really and truly like our relationship does go back even before we were related. So like there's a really strong foundation, which I think is what for me saying that like we've known each other for so long and we've known each other in different circumstances and we've been really great together in all those circumstances. So one bump in our communication, eh, whatever. I think that if it came from someone who didn't have that foundation with me, it would or even if I like if they were in a different plane of like status in my life, like someone who I was like dependent on in some sort of way, that my sense of self would be threatened by that. Maybe my reaction would be different. Oh, I could tell you my reaction would be different. But there is like what for me saying that sense of safety of like, well, we're good and we'll be good. And if there's a bump, we'll still be good. Um, and that's OK. And you know what? That's just the situation. It's like an easy place to be vulnerable in. Um, yeah, so to me, it doesn't phase me. But I, I think um, if I could just go into something else that Sarah was saying, Sarah used the word blunt. Um, so a few people do describe me that way. So I think that you were using that intentionally to me. Um, but I know that societally speaking, for me, maybe you could talk a little bit about this. Um, bluntness, which in, in Hebrew we say dogri, that you speak like straight, um, is not a value that we value in American communication. I don't think that everyone really like appreciates that type of straightforwardness, if you will. Um, so although maybe it works now in our relationship between me and Sarah, I think that sometimes people can find it overwhelming. And it's something that I consciously have to sometimes really work on. Um, so Sarah, can you just talk a little, uh, Sarah, for me, can you talk a little bit about, um, just like different types of communication styles, like how do introverts communicate and how do extroverts communicate and how do people in different cultures communicate and how do we bridge those type of gaps? That's a hard question, Rifki. <laughs> and that's part of my communication. It's a hard question. I, I, I'm not experienced in different cultures. I, you know, I do know the Israeli culture. I know there's this element of bluntness there. And it's really about, a lot of it is about what you're used to and what is you consider normal and what you sort of like desensitized yourself to. So you could say yes, in Eretz Yisrael, for sure. There's a level of bluntness there that if you would be, um, if you would be cushioning things too much, nobody would get you. You'd be like, literally talking to the walls. You've got to just say it the way it is and say it well. And um, and if you could put a little touch of rudeness in there a little bit, just enough, you know, enough of polite rudeness, then you're probably communicating most effectively. 
And th- that's really culture. United States, obviously, for some reason, it developed an heritage role. And for other reasons, it didn't develop in this country. United States, things need to be cushioned, but not at the uh, expense of clarity. So we're in Israel, you might call it blunt. I would say United States people appreciate clarity and being clear and being honest and open. Um, but there's a way to say it. So if you're going to the doctor and the doctor says, listen, you know, your blood sugar is high. Um, we need to do something about this. You know, we, we want you to have a nice long life. We're in Eretz, maybe in Eretz Yisrael, they would say, you know, I don't want you to die. So let's get moving. You know, like it's just an, an it's a way to express yourself to say you need to be clear, but it's just a matter of how. And that's, you know, regarding culturally, um, regarding communication styles, everybody's got, you know, different communication styles. And if you know me well enough, you'll know that I'm not going to tell you one is better than the other. It's always a matter of how is it working for you? And if it's not working for you in any given relationship that you value and you want to continue with, then it's. I guess your responsibility to figure it out and figure out how to make it work. If it means starting to learn how to communicate a little differently within that particular situation. And one very um, common example is men and women. You know, this guy gets married. He's, you know, he's with, with his friends for however many years hanging out with them, especially, you know, in the, from community where men and women don't really interact too much. He's using, if you ever see the way guys communicate, they're using probably the least amount of words possible. It's like super editing themselves. It's like, you know, you know, you want to go meet each other for the bagels, you know? Okay, Danny, bagel shop, mom's bagels, eight o'clock. Okay, see you. That's it. That's the whole entire conversation. Now go take that and do that with your wife. And let's see how that works, you know? So (laughs) you have to learn a different kind of communication style. Now, if this this, um, woman would be communicating with her friends and say, oh, hi, how are you? How was your day? Till they get to the actual bagel shop, um, you know, seeing if she wants to go and then she has to decide and she has this and that and the other thing. And she's talking out loud, telling you her whole thought process out loud. And, um, and now go do that with your husband and you totally lost the guy, right? Like, he's like, forget it. He's out the door before you have a chance to finish because it's just way, taking way too long for, from, you know, what he's used to. So you, obviously people need to adjust their communication styles based on who they're dealing with and uh, communicating with. We all, you know, I can imagine are in some sort of relationships where we um, would need to tell someone else that, you know, what they're doing should be changed. Like, let's say as a mother trying to change, you know, give, uh, let their child know that their behavior isn't okay. If we're a boss telling our employee, or if we're, it, it could come across in many variations, a business partner telling your partner, um, so this this skill of having to give over feedback that might be perceived as negative, I'm wondering if the skills involved in that are the same skills that we're talking about when we're talking about communicating between two people. 
that's all part and parcel of communication. It's, it's, it, it's not, you know, it's, it doesn't stand on its own. Part of communicating is sometimes, and hopefully the minority of the time, having to have those kind of uh, interactions with other people. Now, if this, this is the only kind of interaction you're having with someone, then that's really bad communication. You need to have enough positive so that will buffer these kinds of minority kind of communications that need to happen here and there whenever you whenever you're you're interacting with anybody there's always adjustments that have to be made it's not necessarily criticism it's just i would call it you know more of adjustments doing things a little differently saying things a little differently so when you when you have these interactions with people and you need to give some kind of feedback, you also need to give them tools or ideas or um, information to help them. You can't just leave them with that, what you might call critique. You need to also be able to help them improve that. And one amazing example that I've had in my life is when I was in school, I actually, um, got a bachelor's and then was in a master's program to become a therapist, <laughs> which is not happening in this life. And um, I end up withdrawing. But um, one of the, one of the teachers that I had, one of the professors that I had was quite amazing. Um, and she, she was a writing professor and the, the girls would bring her their writings and I would hear her do this. And I, I heard it do it once and I thought, oh, okay, she's just being nice to her. But I, I heard it continuously. She would take their writing and she would take it home and she would review it. And then she would give it back to the girl without, I mean, I was the Bobby in the class, but these were girls. Yeah, young, young girls. And she would give it back to them without a mark. And she would say, I made some comments in there, but I would like you to give it back to me so that you could get an A. I want to see an A. And that idea of helping that person become that A is the focus of the critique. If you're going to criticize any other way, then it's detrimental, it's ineffective, and you're basically not communicating. You're basically just unloading. And unloading is not communicating. So help that person become the A when you're communicating, even when there's some kind of critique involved. Yeah, I think that that actually one of the lines you just said needs to be repeated. Unloading is not communication. So venting is not communication. Um, communication is growth oriented. Communication is bonding oriented. Communication has a tayelas, right? Um, and that's really, really, really important. Um, okay. I have a different sort of question for you. What if you were talking to a Hassan and Kala and you were talking about their communication and setting a foundation for positive communication in this brand new spanking relationship? Um, and I have a feeling that whatever answer you're going to answer this question actually is not just applicable to Hassan and Kala, but to everyone. Um, what would you tell them specifically about conflict resolution? I feel like Hassan and Kala is like their first fight is like 
the worst thing that has ever happened to them because they're like, oh my gosh, what did I do? How did I marry this person? Where are we? What are we? Are we going to last? Like there's all these crazy thoughts that can run through your head during that first fight. Um, So how do you, I guess, disagree respectfully, have good conflict resolution skills? How do you fight with respect? Um, And maybe fight is the wrong word, but how do you have a disagreement in the best, most respectful, most growth oriented way? First of all, two things. (laughs) It's theoretical because I usually don't meet with men. That's first of all. And the second thing is that I don't agree with your um, way you presented the question. Uh, And I'll tell you why. Um, And I I understand why. Disagreement for me. Right. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you where, you know, where um, that, that, where exactly uh, that disagreement comes from. And that is that you automatically assume that if there's, um, if there's respect, then there's, you know, we're respectful disagreement and everybody's just, you know, walking around and, you know, disagreeing respectfully. And it's, and that is what breeds growth and not necessarily, as we say in Hebrew, love dafka. It doesn't necessarily, you, you don't have to edit yourself to the point where you're going to be um, weighing every single word because then you don't have a relationship. A relationship is the ability to once in a while, don't do it too often, but once in a while to let go a little bit in the sense that it's okay. It's okay if it accelerates. It's okay if these kind of things happen. What's most important is not about how you argue, but what happens to you when that's happening. Are you disconnecting? Are you turning away from that person that you're arguing from? Are you not trusting them? Are you giving up on them? Or are you forcing yourself to turn turn towards them to to work this through, even if it's very uncomfortable and even if it gets sticky and it seems a little dirty, are you continuously looking towards them to work it out, to get your comfort and and eventually your comfort and your support? And as long as you're doing that and you have that in mind, I have no judgment in the way that conversation is going, whether it's going more respectfully or less respectfully because the underlying understanding of the couple is that we are one. And even though we don't know how to communicate, you know, in a way that we'd want ourselves videoed, (laughs) but still we're learning on each other. We're gonna learn this together. We don't have to be perfect in our communication. We just need to know that we're meant for each other and we will work with each other and turn, turn towards each other and not, not walk away emotionally, physically, emotionally away from each other. And then you have a working relationship in whichever way you can figure that out. And obviously if the couple needs help, you know, they'll go for help. But if there's one thing that the couple needs to know is that a conflict doesn't define the relationship. A word mistakenly said in the wrong way 
doesn't define the relationship. It, the relationship is much bigger than anything that both of you, either one of you can say at the given moment. And there's always ways to apologize, especially in a marriage. There's many beautiful ways that a couple could apologize to each other. And, um, and it's okay. You'll learn this together. Okay. So before we wrap up, I think the last words that you said does need a little bit of um, clarification for someone listening. How do you um, move on from a conflict? How do you move into a positive space from there? It really depends on the couple and what they're communicating and what the conflict is about. Um, and I think the underlying thing is that you can, the ability to let go. It doesn't mean that you worked it out. It's that ability to just say, okay, you know, we're going to move on from this. It, it's, it's really the ability and the skill to disconnect the person from the conflict. Um, look at the bigger picture. Really remind yourself um, who you married and why you married that person and, and, and keep that in mind and whatever it takes, if it takes keeping a log of nice, um, nice experiences you have together, either, you know, either writing them down, the things that you value about the person and, and, and you can keep a, a verbal log. You can continuously tell them about it. Anytime you find something positive, just throw it out there and you'll say it out loud. You remember it better. And the other person will see, also we'll get the right kind of feedback and um and it'll keep you focused i love that so for me um today's conversation had a whole lot of information so many so many uh great things were touched upon and i know that everyone listening is going to be smiling and nodding as much as sarah and i were um because there are so much good things and i have a very very strong feeling that people will actually listen to this more than once because there are so much tools here that can be accessed. Um, so for whoever wants to um, reach out to Fermi personally um, or wants to um, work with Fermi, Fermi, how do they get in touch with you? You could call me or email. What's your email? F, like my first name, Fermi Pekarski. That's my last name, P-I-E-K-A-R. S K I at gmail.com. Or you can WhatsApp me or message me at 718-314-0439. Fermi's very generously just shared her number. Um, Fermi, thank you so, 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 so much. I know that everyone's walking away with great, great tools that are going to improve their relationships with all the wonderful people around them. So thank you for joining us today. And we wish you a wonderful, fabulous. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed and grew. Original music of Shamil's Nigan provided by Hazen David Katak. We look forward to your input, feedback, and suggestions. We also have partnership opportunities available. Please email info at bodiessouls.com. Again, info at bodiessouls.com with two S's. Thank you.